630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. I, I feel like the Twitter universe is, is doing the old... Oh, they're taking up too much of our cap. Oh, oh, it never worked in Pittsburgh and Chicago. Yeah, it did. It did work there. Folks, be quiet. <laughs> Same uh, words of advice for those of you unhappy with the Leon Dreisaitl contract. And we just get a text from somebody who says, Leon Dreisaitl is getting way too much money. Didn't we learn our lesson from the three $6 million kids, two of which who have been traded, Jordan Eberle and Taylor Hall? I guess my counter question to that text would be, uh, what lesson would that be? That you should never, like, are you arguing you should never pay any good young player any amount of money? I mean, Dreisaitl did have a pretty good season. He's got a lot of potential. Uh, you know, there's uh, players with similar contracts who, quite frankly, like if, if you look at Johansson and Kuznetsov, which are, are, were kind of the comparables being tossed around, they're both four years older than Leon Dreisaitl. And, uh, you know, in Ryan Johansson's cases, he actually has never had uh, an offensive season as good as what Dreisaitl just had. Kuznetsov did uh, a couple of years ago. 77 points in 82 games. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe the Oilers will have uh, issues with their cap. I, st- I still think that's... Th- that's To me, that's the best problem you can have. I mean, general manager Peter Shirelli is never going to wake up and be like, yep, everything's the way I want it with the team. I got nothing to worry about. I think that's the best problem to have, is to have two really good players... Uh, and to be and to be paying them long term. I, I mean, here's here's my here's my very simple counter question. And, and look, that I think Drysdale got a little more than he than he was going to. Yes, I do. I mean, it would have been great to get him at eight, but I really thought it was probably going to be eight per season. I thought maybe it was going to be a five-year deal. His agent, Mike Liute, was on the show a couple of nights ago and said they were always looking at a six-per-eight-year deal. So Dreisaitl wanted to be here long-term. The Oilers wanted him to be here long-term. So if both sides wanted the same thing in general, why would the Oilers then decide to make it difficult just for the sake of making it difficult or trying to save, you know, at mo- at most a million dollars on the cap, or more realistically, half a million dollars on the cap every year, because it, you know it should go up. And you know, fair enough. The, the, you guys, of Oilers fans, have been through a, a lot of misery and a lot of things that didn't work out, and a lot of hope and promises for players who then didn't take the team to team success. Some of them had individual success. I mean, Taylor Hall was a top ten scorer twice as an Oiler. That's individual success. You know, Brian Nugent Hopkins was up for the Calder Trophy. Probably would have won it if he plays a few more games that year. That's individual success. But the team never got better. So I understand you've been burned before. 
So I understand that's your concern with Drysaddle. Now, they're paying Drysaddle coming off a year they finished eighth overall, and he was the best player in the playoffs. Remember what I just said there, in the playoffs. We haven't been, we, we, we went 10 years without assessing any Oilers playoff games. So I guess my question would you to be, what, if if you if you hate the dry cycle contract, what was your what would have been your alternative as the general manager of the Oilers? Like in, it just it just sit there and insist that you won't pay him more than six million five billion a season, and tell him yeah sit out that's fine. I don't think you're actually any good, eighth in the league in scoring. I don't think you're actually that good. Yeah, don't come to training camp. That's fine. Sit out sit out half the season. Right, which is, which would have made you more angry as an Oilers fan? Like, because clearly there's some of you who are, as you know, as Jay said in the last segment, and as he and I were talking about, clearly there are some of you that are going to insist on being angry no matter what. Well, first of all, you must have a miserable life. <laughs> Second of all, I want you to consider these two options. Leon Dreisaitl gets the contract that he got. And you know that he's going to be an Oiler for at least the next eight years. Or two months from now, on October 18th, we're talking about Leon Dreisaitl having missed the Oilers' first two games of the season and there's no resolution in sight for his contract. Which one would have made you more more angry? Like, seriously. Like, these guys make a boatload of money. They're, they're pro athletes. I mean, Mark Letestu is the Oilers' fourth-line center, who everybody loves. He makes $1.8 million per season, American. That's a lot of money. So they're already going to make a lot of money. To, to you and I, half a million dollars difference in income per year is, is a big deal. In a league with a salary cap that's pushing towards $80 million, are you really going to get upset that he got half a million dollars more per year? Like, does it really destroy your faith in the team and the manager and how they're going to perform on the ice? You know, it's like, like I, I understand what happened with the $6 million players. I, I totally understand. I've been covering the team, too. And I know how disappointing it was that they, that they never took a step forward. But the, the, the team has already taken a step forward before Dreisaitl gets this contract. So is there really that much to gain by Peter Shirelli and, and Keith Gretzky uh, and, and, uh, and Bob Nicholson and Daryl Cates sitting there saying, no, Leon, it's $6 million max per year, or you can sit out. How do you like that? Like, does it, did anybody really want that to be the option? Uh, this texter says, uh, good deal. I hope Dreisaitl is second in scoring behind McDavid and the Oilers win four cups in eight years. Dreisaitl was awesome in the playoffs. This texter simply says, five million max. Okay. Well, there, uh, there, uh, there. I'm glad I got an answer. From the ar- armchair GM of the year. <laughs> Don't pay Dreisaitl more than five million dollars. Okay. Thank you. You, you, you know the old saying? You know the old saying? You know why general managers don't listen to fans? Because if they do, soon they'll be sitting with them. Big T says, I would have given Dreisaitl $9 million. McDavid gave up money to leave cap space. 
So easy peasy, pay the kid. Jeff says in 2025, eight and a half will be a steal of a deal. That's possible. And uh, the, <laughs> I, I, I love the text we get. Here's, here, this is a good one. This texter says, Peter Puck never should have given Gretzky a million dollars. He wrecked the sport. LOL. <laughs> that, that is a good one. You know, it's, uh, you know, working, uh, I mean, working in pro sports, like, and like working in pro sports is, you know, if you could be a player or a coach, that's going to be, that's going to be a great life. But if you're a general manager of a team, you got to be pretty confident and, and you got to know the environment that you're in. You got to know all the players on your team in your minor league system. You got to know what's going on with every other team. You got to be able to evaluate talent. And hey, I'm not saying Peter Shirelli or any general manager in the league is perfect. I'm just saying, you know, you look at the contract Leon Dreisaitl actually got for the length of time it is. I don't mind knowing McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to be on your favorite hockey team for the next eight years. Because that's how, that's how long they're committed to being together. McDavid has, a, has another year on top of that once his extension kicks in for next year. So uh, we'll see. Somebody just texted in one word, Pisani. Yeah, well, Fernando Pisani got a uh, big contract after having a great playoff. No doubt about it. He didn't get a contract as big as what Dreisaitl got, nor for as long. And uh, I, I think given that Dreisaitl was you know, drafted that high and the way he performed this past season over a, a large collection of games... I, I don't know if I would put those players in the same conversation. Anyway, you can text 630-630. Phone number is 780-496-0063. Some other notes here. Well, uh, we got uh, FC Edmonton playing 2 p.m. Sunday at Clark. They're taking on Puerto Rico. FC Edmonton won one and one in the fall half of the season. The Cubs beat the Blue Jays this afternoon, 7-4. The uh, Edmonton prospects unable to win at home on Wednesday. They have to go to Swift Current for Game 5. Last night, they were beaten 4-0, so Swift Current takes the Western Major Baseball League Championship in uh, five games, three games to two. But good for the prospects. They went into uh, they went in as an underdog, you know, 500 in the regular season, knocked off a couple teams who finished above them. They wound up doing pretty well. Okay, it is uh, 7.15. Yakushev says, I'm betting Lucic's contract looks worse than Dreisaitl's in two years. Well, that's a fair point. David M. says, uh, for years when the uh, group owned the Oilers, he's talking about the large group of... uh, or they called the Edmonton Investors Group. For years when the group owned the Oilers, they watched players and sometimes stars leave Edmonton for bigger markets because they didn't want to pay them. Now people are complaining about having to pay two of the best young players in the league. Some people just like to complain. Several exclamation marks. That is from David M. And uh, this texter says, uh, Reed, does Shirelli sign Russell to his contract if Vegas doesn't take Reinhardt? Just something I've wondered your opinion on. I don't like the Russell contract. I feel 
there was a better option out there. Uh, yes, I think Russell would have got signed to that contract anyway. Short answer to your question. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. It's 7-16. I'll let you know what's going on in the CFL game. Uh, text it. Any thoughts you have on the Oilers and Eskimos? Oh, I also remember this uh, because we do this. we do this every year, and I usually put out the call for texts later on, and then by the time we're getting them in, the show is over. John Stanton is coming in. He is the president and founder of the running room. He's a proud Edmontonian. He, he's going to be in studio. The Edmonton Marathon is on Sunday. If you have any running-related questions, whether you're an advanced runner or just getting into it, text those into 630-630, and I'll read them for John as well. We're coming back after the break. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. You know, it's unfortunate how many of those little comebackers we have were voiced by uh, Eskimos who are uh, injured. J.C. Sheridan, unfortunately, out for the season. 7-1 and one Eskimos back at it one week from tonight. Oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Saskatchewan Rough Riders in town. We'll have it for you with the countdown to kickoff at 6. The game will start at 7.30. Ottawa leading Hamilton 15-10. They're now into the third quarter. Tiger Cats trying desperately to get their first win of the season. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Hey, uh, it's going to be fun at Castro Raceway this weekend. They got the monster truck throwdown. Jason Court will be participating in that. The name of his truck is Crude Behavior. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, you? Uh, I'm doing very well. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Hey, uh, Jason, this is pretty cool. Uh, you, you do something pretty unique. Tell us about how you got into uh, into monster trucks. I, I doubt you took it in phys ed in high school. So what was the journey? <laughs> well, I always wanted to get into it, but I started out with uh, some mud racing and and uh, whatnot, and I landed a, a spot here on a, on a team there. So now that's what I've been doing in the last little while here, touring around, driving, fixing. All right, where are you from? I'm from Edson, Alberta. Actually. Oh, you're from okay, awesome. Well, I grew up in Evansburg, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so, w- w- did you like? W- did you have to build your own truck? Do you get? Do you get noticed, and then you and then you get a sponsor? Like, how does this? How does the sport work? Uh, generally, it all depends. Uh, this this truck here that I'm running, actually, it's uh, been built, and uh, I just run it for a guy, so it's uh, pretty good that way. How often do you compete? Uh, we've compete. You can compete just about every weekend. I've gone every second weekend now for the last month. Um, I've been on. I was on the island there last weekend, or two weekends ago. Sorry, and now we're here at the Monster Truck Throwdown in Edmonton at Castro Raceway. Okay, so I, I, I was going to ask this: so Are you going all over? Is it uh, you know? Is it all over Western Canada? All over? Like, do you go to the states too? What's the travel like? Uh, so far, we've only been doing Western Canada shows. Um, we have been looking at some different venues on the state side, but nothing has been set set up yet. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Jason Court joining us. I got to ask you the name of the truck, Crude Behavior. Who came up with that? <laughs> uh, actually, the owner, Jared. Jared, there. He. Uh, we both work in the oil industry there, so we just wanted to give back a little bit to all the all the uh, men and women that are working in the oil industry, right? Nice. Okay. So you got the, you got a bit of the play on words there. Jason, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 30. 30. How long have you been driving? 
two years. Three years, okay. So relatively new. What do you like most about it? Uh, it's all pretty good. I like the fans. Um, fans are always the, the biggest thing. Um, if it wasn't for them, I mean, there wouldn't be Monster Trust, right? Good point. And now, at this weekend, uh, so you got tomorrow, uh, the gates are at 11, stuff's going to start at 2, and then, uh, was it Sunday, or pardon me, I got that wrong, tomorrow they can go in at 3 for the pit party, the show's at 7, and then it's 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. on Sunday. So, I mean, when fans get in early, do they have the opportunity to meet you, climb into the truck, and all that kind of fun stuff? I'm not sure if we're doing any climbing into the trucks or anything, but we are doing a pit party, meet and greet all the drivers. Um, signing autographs and whatnot. Okay. Now, Jason, let people know, and you, you're probably going to think this is a stupid question, but I honestly don't know. Uh, when you when you have these events, because, look, people if people don't go to this, they probably see the commercials on TV and see the flips and the cars being crushed. Like, what how, is is there a winner out of this? And if so, is it is it speed? Is it how many cars you can drive over? Or what do you what do you look at here? Uh, there's never really a winner or a loser. Uh, it okay. all depends on how many, I guess, hits or how long you do your runs for. Um, if you can compete everything. And then we also have the wheelies and donuts and some racing there. I mean, in the racing, there's always going to be a winner. Okay. Uh, whoever crosses that line first. Okay. Uh, there's also going to be a, a backflip here on the, at the Monster Truck Throwdown. Who's doing the backflip? Uh, it could be all of them. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Kinda, who's going to line up for it? Are you doing one? Uh, if the time's right, I might. <laughs> yeah, have you done a lot uh, in, in shows or, or what? I have never attempted a backflip. So, if, I mean, like I say, if the time is right, I might. Okay. Is, is that the most difficult maneuver you can pull off in a monster truck? Uh... Well, I've never attempted one, so I'm going to assume it's got a, there's a science to it. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a great answer. Okay, so uh, again, uh, and people can uh, Google, just Google Castle Raceway Monster Truck Throwdown. There's ticket information online. So uh, tomorrow, pit party at 3, show at 7. Uh, Sunday, pit party at, at uh, 11. And then the show is is going to be at 2. Jason, did I miss anything important that you would want fans to, to know about you or your or, or Monster Trucks, or do you think we covered it? Uh, well, other than the pit party is actually at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Oh, 4 o'clock, my mistake. 4 o'clock, yeah. Okay. And the uh, show starts at 7. Otherwise, come come join the fun and watch some monster truck action. Right on. Hey, Jason, thanks for making time for me tonight. Uh, you know, I, I know this is one of those things you, you work hard at it, and, and you probably don't get the attention you deserve. So thanks a lot for talking to 630 Chat tonight. Hey, thank you. Right on. That's Jason Court checking in. Uh, yeah, so the monster truck throwdown at Castrol, his truck, crude behavior. I, I know Kellen Kennedy is uh, more of a, uh, you know, into the uh, the racing and the vehicles. Are you a monster truck guy, uh, Kellen? I was when I was, like, younger. It's it's really big with uh, with the kids, especially, uh, you know, kids. Well, because like they're big, mean-looking vehicles, yeah. right? And. They do a lot the of cool stuff. The stuff they do now compared to what it was when I was watching as a kid is incredible. Like, these things are doing flips. They're doing donuts. It's 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 amazing. You got to go check it out. Awesome stuff. All right. 18-10, Ottawa leading Hamilton. Five minutes left in the third quarter. 
uh, indication of how Hamilton's season is going. They try a long bomb to Brandon Banks. He's wide open for a touchdown, and he drops it. This texter says, why is everyone so low on Chris Russell? He's a warrior, lays it on the line every night. He's the type of guy players love to have on their team. And uh, several Oilers players have told me that about Chris Russell. We're back after the 7.30 news. John Stanton from the running room. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, thank you very much for tuning in tonight. 18-10, Ottawa leading Hamilton. Two minutes left in the third quarter. Man, oh man, Hamilton coming in at 0-7. Ottawa not doing great either, 1-6-1. Later on tonight, Calgary at BC. The Stamps are 5-1-1. They had that tie with Ottawa earlier in the season. BC 5 and three, so another big game in uh, the West Division. The Eskimos still do lead the way at seven and one, but Winnipeg right there at six and two. And uh, either Calgary or BC, barring another tie, will get to six wins uh, this evening. So we'll we'll keep an eye. Well, we'll I'll be off the air by the time that one is on. But I'm sure a lot of you might be spending a Friday night uh, with a beverage and a snack, watching the Lions and the Stampeders. That should be a good game. My name is Reed Wilkins. You can text six thirty six thirty. Pleased to be joined in studio by the. Uh, President and founder of The Running Room, Edmonton's own John Stanton. John, how are you doing? Great, Reed. Good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. We we usually have you on once or twice a year and always in studio when right. it's before the marathon. So I texted you Monday and said, you, you pick the day, and you, you said, let's <laughs> let's do it Friday. I was like, okay, that's cool. I hope I hope he's not too busy. Cause, no, no. Cause it's, well, the stuff's already started with the Expo and everything. Yeah, it is. I just came from the Expo, and, uh, you know, there's 4,500 people signed up, and uh, it's record numbers for, for the event. We've got uh, near-perfect conditions uh, forecast for Sunday. You know, we're getting a little showery evening this evening, which is good because it's going to take that smoke that's in the air and help clear that out a little bit for the runners. And I know you're running and others are, are yep. running and those running in the various events uh, are going to have uh, actually ideal running conditions. You know, if you talk to the exercise physiologists, they'll tell you that perfect running conditions are somewhere between 4 and 16 degrees. Really? And, okay. And, uh, you know, if you look at the forecast, it's calling for a high at 21 on Sunday. Yep. So we're in the right in the cusp of, of perfect weather conditions for us. For yeah, I, lo- I like those runs where it's 15, 16, yep. 18 even. You know, yeah. it's like, but... Yeah, even if it gets into the 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 mid twenties, you you start to feel it. Like especially if you're doing a longer one, you can really start to feel it. And if it's and the mugginess, which yeah. usually it isn't here, but the mugginess just wipes me out. That's right. And again, and again, the the professionals tell us that anything above eighteen degrees, then you need to modify your target. In other words, if you're going to run a two hour uh, uh, half marathon and that's your goal, and it it happened to go to twenty five or twenty six degrees, you might have to modify that by five minutes or so. And, and just slow down a little bit because if you do, you'll you'll adjust it, you'll finish, you'll still finish strong. But uh, you know, the the more degrees above 18 degree, degrees it is, the more you got to modify that target. Yep. If it's below that, you got to find another excuse to <laughs> if you don't perform well. Well, that's that, but that's a good point because for for people who don't run or, or who don't run a lot or don't run a timed race occasionally, yeah. and I do a yeah. couple a year. I mean, yeah. I'm not as hardcore as a lot of people, but I've made it a part of my life. But sometimes people will say to me. Well, how how fast could you run X distance? Yeah. 
and I say, well, I can give you an estimate, but what's the temperature? What time of day is it? How many hills are there? Yeah. How, the how crowded conditions? is the course? Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Well, and we get that often. You know, people ask, what's the course record here in Edmonton? Or, you know, how Tom McGrath, who's a local Edmontonian who has won it and has gone to Boston and uh, has a, a 2.25 uh, kind of marathon time. But, you know, Tom could run 2.20 if the weather conditions are perfect and he gets pushed a little bit. But if he happens to take a lead early, which could happen on Sunday, and sometimes if he has a big lead, he'll back off a little bit. And uh, so, you know, the marathon is a unique event. It's, it's more a test of patience and, and uh, mental performance than it is uh, physical performance. You know, there's there's two t- kinds of athletes. There's the elite division, mm-hmm. which they're there. They're there to try to win the event. And then there's what we call the recreational athletes. That's you and me and everybody yep. else that's out there. And we're competing against ourselves, really. We're, we're sort of saying, what what's my best effort that I can give today? And and can I exceed that? that? And you know when you cross that finish line, you'll have that sense of accomplishment and say, wow, I had to really dig deep today and push yep. myself hard. And you cross the finish line and there's that fist pump that, that you have and you say, well, that was a great day. And, and it, it could be 10 minutes slower than your personal best time. But you know as an athlete that you, you put it all on the line that day. Yeah, well, and I found that too. I, I love the phrase. I can't remember where I first heard this, but I'm a completer, not a competitor. Yeah, that's and, right. And sure, you have a... You, I, I, for me, anyway, I mean, I, I like having a goal. I have a goal time. I know what my personal best is. But once you hit about the 15th, 16th K of the 21, yeah. the, the time goes out the window a little bit. You're just managing, you know, and budgeting the strength to get to the line. Well, it's interesting you mentioned 16K because, you know, when I do tips of, for the runners in the marathon and half marathon, the, you know, the half marathon is 21 kilometers in distance. And I tell people that it's 16-kilometer training run and a 5K race at the end. Right. And, you know, the marathon <laughs> is similar. It's a 32-kilometer it's a training run with a 10K race at the end. And if people approach it that way and think about the event as, as kind of another Sunday long run with a big group and cheering crowds and support and, you know, people along the way at the aid stations and what have you, it becomes a celebration and a festival. And then you knuckle it down and, and really push yourself in that last 10K or last 5K of the half marathon. Well, and that's and that's a good way to put it and because everybody has the, that mental approach and and the breakdown and I for me I often do it in thirds because yep. to me I, I've run enough to 7k is nothing yeah so I can do the first 7k yeah uh, you know I do a 15k every Canada day and some yeah. of my longer runs will be 12 14 15 so I right. can get to the 14 now I don't do a lot of training runs longer than 15 just no. because of my time and my energy and we my don't knees. need to yeah but then once I hit that 14 then I'm thinking, okay, I'm a K from 15, and then you put in another half hour or 35 minutes of hard work, and you're done. That's right. There you go. And, and if you think of it in thirds, you know, the first third, you should be holding yourself back, you know, saying, I'm not going to get suckered into trying to catch that guy or girl in front of me. I'm going right. to let her go, and I'll catch her later on. In the middle third, it'll seem like those Sunday runs when you're out there and everything's smooth and fluid, and you're just cruising along. And then the last third, well, that's why we give you a medal at the finish line. <laughs> you know, there's a finisher's medal because you've earned it. John Stan. 
Edmonton from the running room joining us. So the Edmonton Marathon is uh, on Sunday. So you mentioned there's a, the, the, sorry, is it the fun run? What are they called? Yeah, tomorrow? there's a fun run tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, and it, it's called the Friendship Run. It's free, and uh, if people, you know, don't know what the marathon is about, come on down. Uh, I give everybody a few tips on the various events that are going on. Uh, we give them a little pep talk. We introduce all the pace bunnies that are out there, and the pace bunnies are the people who are leading the different pacing groups mm-hmm. within the 10K, the half, and the full marathon. We introduce them. We also have what we call the Golden Ears Award, where uh, Last year, the bunny that came closest to their projected time, we give them a set of golden ears and a bag of carrots. So, oh, nice. So there's a, a <laughs> high stakes involved. And uh, we give them a few tips and tell them a few dumb jokes. And then we go for a little 3K fun And run. is this around the Shaw as yeah, well? Yeah, it starts okay. right at the Shaw, right at the start-finish line. We show them where the start-finish area is for, for Sunday for the bigger event. Uh, we take and we run them over to City Hall and show people from City Hall where our City Hall is. Usually get a picture taken there and then run them back, a little 3K run. And it's a nice way for people from out of town to get a vision of our downtown. We take them by the, the ice district and, and what have you and show them, uh, you know, the, the redevelopment that's going on in downtown Edmonton and uh, bring them back. And then we have some muffins and bagels afterwards. And, nice. And, and Sunday, I don't want to forget this, too, because on Sunday, you know, this is, uh, the Edmonton Marathon is unique. And, you know, usually after a run, you get a bagel and a banana and a muffin or something. But here in Edmonton at the Shaw Center, you know, you get a full course breakfast. That's right. Know, and, oh, I've uh, taken. It's partake, well yeah. worth the effort to, <laughs> to get through that. Yeah, well, that is that is a nice spot. Uh, you know, when I first started doing this race about, geez, eight years ago, it, it was at it was at Northlands, and you, yeah. you finished right by the by the by horse the, track. The horse track, yeah. Yeah, it, the the downtown finish is nice. It, it's a cool run. You go out. West, you get some River Valley views there. Uh, well, it's spectacular. Yeah. You know, I was at the expo today, and people go through the expo where all the, the vendors are, and then they get there where they get their number pickup. It's in the Riverview room this year, and you're overlooking the River Valley, and you know you can see the new sandbar that's out there, and you can see people down on the beach and what have you. I mean, just spectacular view, and what a what a treat for people visiting our city. And you know, the the gem of Edmonton is still our River Valley, and and when people get a chance. To to see that and the opportunity to see it from the Shaw Center. It's just spectacular. You, you mentioned Tom McGrath. I mean, I've interviewed A.J. Rankle. Uh, there, there's a lot of high-caliber uh, distance runners, uh, men and women in Edmonton and area. Yep. Uh, and, and we should emphasize there, this, this for, for a lot of people, this will be a competitive race. Oh, sure. And if people line the route... Yeah. To, the marathon starts at 7. Yes, that's right. The half's at 8, and yeah. there will be some fast people. But, but, I mean, if, if you've never seen a marathon, an elite marathon runner up close, when they amazing. whiz by you, you're going to be like, wait a minute, he's doing that for 42K, that yeah. speed? It's shocking. Well, and, you know, we've got last, this year's winner of the Vancouver Marathon is here. Uh, this year's winner of the Manitoba Marathon is here. Uh, so, you know, the locals, uh, Brendan Lunty and, and uh, Tom McGrath and uh, Chris Stone, uh, you know, some of our local local athletes who are in the elite area are going to be challenged because we've got some really uh, deep field. Uh, Dylan Wilkes, who uh, went to London Olympics and has the third fastest uh, marathon time in, as a Canadian, uh, is here and he's running in the half marathon. So, you know, you're going to see world-class athletes out there and you're also going to see your neighbor out there. That's, That's right. the cool part of the, the Edmonton Marathon. Uh, did you say 4,500 total? Yes, 4,500 people in total. And that's a record. 
Yes, it is. Oh, That's wow. a record okay. number. And, you know, we, we've really, uh, it's hats off to, you know, the, the organizing committee who, who uh, has organized this. And we've had a lot of support from the City of Edmonton, the Shaw Centre, uh, Tourism Edmonton. Uh, really has, has gotten behind it. And, you know, that's a great number. And the nice part about it is, uh, you know, there's so many other festivities going on in Edmonton this weekend as well. Mm-hmm. But what a great way for, for people. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of runners coming in from outside of the province and outside of the country. And uh, it's a great way to profile our city because they get to see the downtown. They get to see the River Valley. They get to see the Shaw Centre. And uh, we call it the real estate view, you know, when they go along the, <laughs> out in the right. West End through all the nice real estate areas and through Ada Boulevard. I mean, they, they get a tremendous tour of Edmonton. Well, that's, what, that's right. I'm glad you because the route I was mentioning was the half that I'm used to yeah. doing, but the full goes all the way east. Too. Yes, that's yeah. right. You get Ada Boulevard and you get, you know, a, a real tour of the city. And the the, the beauty of it is uh, you get a tour of the River Valley without having to experience some of the hills. Okay, that, that, was, my, that was my next question because uh, a lot of us a lot of Edmontonians, I, I think, because I see a lot of people running there, will run in the River Valley. Certainly if you live close to downtown or, or south side, it's natural, or you, you can take a little drive yeah. to get there. Uh, hill running for, yeah. for training. Good idea? Is there such thing as too much? I mean, this, the race course is flat. Yeah. So will running hills, though, help you on, on the weekend? Or Absolutely. How do you, look at it? you know, there's three components to any training, regardless of what athlete you are. You've got endurance training, which is your long runs. Mm-hmm. You've got strength training, which is what we do specifically when we're, we're running hills. When you run hills, you're running hill repeats. So you run hard up the hill, easy down. And, and when you're running up hard, it overloads your muscle, muscles and, and uh, skeletal system. And it also overloads your cardiovascular system. So now you're training your cardiovascular system. You're training your 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 muscular skeletal system so that you're going to perform better and also reduce the risk of injury when you introduce speed. So it's a, it's a, it's like building a house. You start with endurance training, right? And then you build the walls of your house or your strength training. And then once you've done those two, then you progress to speed training. So often, why a runner gets injured is they start training, they lose a little weight, they trim themselves up, they say, "Hey, this is b- good. Faster must be better." And they introduce speed before they've gone through the strength phase. Uh-huh. Okay. And that's when sometimes we get injured. So to avoid injury, do your hill workouts. To, to run stronger, even on a flat course like Edmonton, you know that when you're out there, you know, it's the old 80-20 rule. You only have to, most training programs, including mine, only take you up to 32 kilometers in the, in the, for the marathon training right. program. Yet on race day, you're going to run 42. Right. Well, where does that extra strength come? Well, it comes from doing hills. It comes from doing your speed work. Okay. It comes from all the training you've done throughout the, the 18-week program. John, can you stick around? Sure, absolutely. If you've you got a question for John Stanton, he's the president and founder of The Running Room. Uh, they're, they're putting on the Edmonton Marathon on Sunday. As John mentioned, there's the Friendship Run uh, tomorrow. You can text 630-630. Uh, while we've been talking here, uh, man, Hamilton now trailing 31-12 to Ottawa. 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. 0-8 looming for the Tiger Cats. We're back after the break. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Well, another injured Eskimo, though at least Bowman's not out for the season. We had the J.C. Sherritt comebacker there earlier on. Uh, yeah, 31-12, Ottawa leading Hamilton, 12 minutes left in the fourth. Calgary and B.C. coming up later. The Blue Jays lost this afternoon, 7-4 to the Cubs. F.C. Edmonton plays Puerto Rico, 2 o'clock Sunday at Clark. 
John Stanton is in studio, president and founder of the Running Road. Those are your right titles, right? Am I missing yeah, CEO? Founder. Or yeah, do you care? founder. There's no L in that. No, no flounder. No just fl- founder. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long ago did you get this going again? Yeah, 34 years ago now. And how long you been? Uh, has the Running Room been presenting the marathon? Uh, 25 years. It's the 25th anniversary. Did we have one a- before that? Well, we did. It was on and off. But this current marathon has been uh, resurrected. It was resurrected 25 years ago. And uh, actually, one of the cool things when you're down at the expo is take a look. There's 25 medals down there. Oh, and I totally of, missed that today. Yeah, oh, there's pictures of uh, a lot of us running 25 years ago that, that look uh, a shade different than we do today. Stefan Fechner, who is a well-known Edmonton runner, uh, won that year in two hours and 25 minutes. And cool part is he's he's back running again this year. Oh, nice. And Roger McMullen, which is another really fun story. Uh, Roger turned 79 this year. He's running his 100th marathon on Sunday. Uh, he's got a number 100 and we're going to have a little special celebration when he comes in across that finish line on oh, Sunday. Oh, wow. So, we got to get him on the show Monday. Yeah, no, he, he's a very cool that? guy. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll get you the contact on that. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. Okay, this is a great question. This person didn't sign his or her name. John, I don't I don't know if this one, this, you're rarely caught off guard because of all your running experience, but here's a good one. Okay. What is the ideal cadence for running, and do you know of a rock playlist to match that cadence? Well, you know, some people do have, um, find that music helps them, and, yep. I, and I, I sometimes, uh, you know, if I have a busy day, I, I like to go out for the solitude of a run with no music, mm-hmm. but but sometimes if I've, I've been working on the computer like a lot of us do today, and I want to go on, but I, I need to kind of pep myself up. Up, you know, I'll, I'll put some music on and it'll be something to rock to get me motivated. You know, I can tell you that cadence is really important, but it's about, la- and when we're talking cadence, we're talking leg turnover rate for mm-hmm. those that, that may not know exactly what we're talking about. But you want to think about the cyclist. You know, sometimes on Sunday, as an example, when you're running out there, when you start to fatigue a bit, there's a tendency as we start to fatigue and tire to exaggerate our stride. And then it's like we're running in, in quicksand and we try to take take a longer stride because we're slowing down. But really, what we need to do is think like the cyclist does. You know, the cyclist is a lot smarter than the runner because what he does is he, <laughs> he gears down. And as a runner, that's what we need to do. Sometimes if we shorten our stride and increase our leg turnover rate, the cadence, then we'll run faster. So, you know, once a week, what I highly recommend people do is uh, take their music and and find that pickup tune that they like. Yep. But when you're out there, then then t- practice taking a shorter, faster stride because you're going to improve your leg turnover rate. And if you watch the elite athletes, that's the magic about them. You'll watch them and you'll see them kind of floating by. They they appear to almost be floating. But look at the leg turnover rate. It's almost effortless, but it's a fast leg, leg turnover. And the longer our stride, the more braking action we get because if you exaggerate your stride too far, you end up hitting very hard on the heel and it actually slows you down where if you land more midfoot you have gravity working in your favor and it helps propel you forward that's that's amazing you said this you and i have never talked about that before yeah. but i have found when i'm running if i start to feel a little fatigued or i feel or i feel like you know you know i've had that that knee issue yeah, that pops in and exactly. out i just think compact 
short and and I shorten my stride. Yeah. I'll even like even just to remind myself, I'll I'll even bunch in my arms a little bit. I don't hold them that no, way, no, but no. just as a quick reminder. Quick reminder. And, and then thing. you start feeling smoother. Like exactly. it's it's almost like the golf swing. Don't reach out. No. You're talking it's about a game golf, of opposites. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. just keep everything nice and compact, and and sort of then you get that flow going. Right. Well, one thing we tell people to do is run tall. You know, imagine a string pulling you up and keeping your posture erect, and uh, keep your arms uh, nice and loose and relaxed. All right, this uh, texter says, uh, I'm five foot seven, 200 pounds, and a light smoker. I want to get in better shape to be more active with my 10-year-old daughter. Yep. Uh, this person says, I've trucked for a long time. My body and legs, are, and hopefully my feet are still in good shape. Uh, what do I need to ensure my health and then he says a, a dr scholes type thing i don't know yeah doctor well no he's talking about uh, you know an insert a dr yeah. scholes for his insert no i mean get a good pair of running shoes that's the most important thing to start with absolutely and then from there you know what you do is you start and and think of you know any athlete uh, uses combinations of stress and rest what we do with people is so often people start to run and i did this when i first started to run i went out and i ran for 20 minutes and i huffed and puffed and had to walk home right uh you know what we we train people at at the at the running room is we we get them where we go out and we run for one minute, we walk for a minute, we run for a minute, we walk for a minute. And the first week we do six sets of those. So we run for six minutes and walk for six minutes and okay. and, and you do that six times. Then the ne- next week you run for two minutes, walk for one, run for two. Oh, right. And by the end of 10 weeks, you're running for 10 minutes, walking for a minute, running for 10, yeah. walking for a minute. And then you can go on and you can run any distance you want. So be gentle. Be progressive. In other words, you, you want to be gentle so that you don't get discouraged and you don't get injured. And you want to be progressive. In other words, you don't want it so wimpy you're not seeing yourself improve. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing is keep it fun. And sometimes you can do that two ways. I, I mean, if you're like I was and you're overweight and you're maybe a smoker and you're worried about your neighbors chuckling at you, uh, go out in the early hours when they don't know, even know what you're doing out yep. there and see you out. Uh, if not, join a group because when you see people in a group, nobody pays any attention to you. They just see a group of runners and uh, if you can join a group then, then it makes a big difference all right uh, john i wish we had more time but we're we're winding her down here okay so uh people can line the just if you google edmonton marathon yep they can find the route uh obviously google running room to find out more about the running room we got some of your books we're going to give give we'll have those as prizes in the weeks to come oh terrific your book running is is great we got the littlest hobo playing great song i don't no dogs in the race on uh on sunday uh we're, we got 30 seconds so in in 10 seconds if you if you run the half or the full on sunday how much time off do you recommend for runners after that well if for the full marathon you need about a month in other words that doesn't mean no running that means just easy running no racing no hills nothing strenuous just run with what you feel like for the half marathon you need two weeks of of recovery and that doesn't mean again that you don't run it just means that it's nice easy relaxing massage type runs think of them that way john thanks for coming in great read good to join you 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.